Casa Susana tells a history of a safe haven for transgender expression in the Catskills that was kept secret for six decades. I'm Tom Powers, and this is Pure Nonfiction. The film Casa Susana made its debut last year at the Venice and Toronto Film Festivals. It's now streaming on PBS Passport. The first clue about the story was a book published in 2005 called Casa Susana. It's a collection of amateur photographs discovered at a Manhattan flea market. They reveal a community of cross-dressing men in the Catskills outside of New York City. One photograph shows a homemade property sign that says Casa Susana. When the book was published, everything was a mystery about these photos and the people in them. The French filmmaker Sebastian Lifshitz was mesmerized by the book. He's been making films about queer culture in France for over 25 years. He learned that a photo historian named Isabelle Bonnet had conducted deeper research into Casa Susana and identified four living witnesses to its history. Sebastian convinced those four to be interviewed for the film. One is Kate, now in her 80s. She grew up in Australia. I can remember as far back as about five, my sister dressing me in one of her old dresses. The fact that I absolutely adored the feeling and wanted it to go on, wished it could happen every day. Wished that when my father came home from the sea, I could say, you've got two daughters now. One doesn't know where these thoughts start. Eventually, Kate came to the United States, seeking to find a community that would understand her. Visiting Casa Susana was almost a necessity for me. I had to leave my family in Australia and come to America because I needed to know more about myself. I needed to know what it would be like to live as a woman for an extended period. And in the back of my mind, I thought, if I go to Casa Susana and I find that I am more woman inside than I am man, That might be the point where my new life starts. Another person who came to Casa Susana was Diana, also in her 80s today. Over 60 years ago, she had yet to come out as transgendered. She was living in Indiana as a husband in a straight marriage with a wife named Julie. Diana tells her story. I don't even know how I got invited to Casa Susana. I desperately, of course, wanted to go to this Halloween party and I had no idea how I would ever pull it off. But I sort of got Julie to agree that it was a, it would be a good, th- you know, it would be, it would be okay for me to do that, to maybe find some stuff out about myself. So off I went, and it was an incredibly dangerous adventure. With a big suitcase, stood on the highway, and I hitchhiked from Valparaiso, Indiana, to Casa Susana. The first thing that happened was, I think we went into the main house and there was somebody there who would set my hair. Now, I never had my hair uh, curled, ever. And uh, it was just the most exciting experience. <laughs> it was unbelievable to me. It was, it's so unbelievable to me what those small pleasures, you know, how, how thrilling they were. Um, I mean, it all seems kind of silly and uh, funny. And it is, I mean, 
even then it was done with a light heart, but it was also very uh, piquant, very uh, poignant. And one of the cross-dressers, Gloria, gave me this wonderful pair of shoes that had these high heels that were just spectacular and they fit. And I was pretty successful. So they were all kind of ooing and aahing and that was, you know, great support. It made me feel really authentic, you know, it made me feel like, wow, this is, you know, I could really be like this. Casa Susana only lasted for a few years, from the late 1950s to the early 60s. The film shines a light on the couple who created this safe space. Susana was the female persona of a Chilean immigrant named Tito. He was married to Maria, an Italian-American woman deeply supportive of Tito's double life as Susana. We'll hear more about them later on. I asked Sebastian about his career documenting queer stories and how Casa Susana fits in that body of work. He brought up a film he made in 2012 called The Invisibles that profiles older queer figures in France. So uh, when I did this, this movie, The Invisibles, it was a way for me to have um, a concrete incarnation of what, of what is to be an old gay person, you know. I had no idea because all the media, nobody... Uh, we do an article about that or we'll do a film or an exhibition. You had absolutely no information, no pictures, no nothing. And so I was really very curious about this uh, this in, in invisibility, you know, of, of all this community of all gay uh, men and women, you know, and... And I thought it was really unfair. And I was myself very curious about their stories, you know, and I wanted to to know uh, what happened to them when they were young and, and then um, how they have built their life and they maybe have conquered their freedom, you know, to be themselves. And so the film was was about all of this, and it was very personal for me. It 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 came really from, also it came from, the collection of snapshots that I have of gay couple, because uh, through these images you could see very happy people on the pictures, but the thing is the history of uh, gay people most of the time is very sad, is sometimes very tragic. But the thing is the pictures I have. Uh, gave me an, an, a different incarnation, which was more joyful. And so I was wondering if um, the history was more probably complex than this, you know, that maybe it was not um, a story about uh, victims or not only victims. Of course they were, because the society in those times were so hostile, you know, to them. So they had to fight and they had to find a way, you know, to to assume and to live uh, who they were. But through these pictures that I found on flea markets or internet or garage sales, I could see that people in the 20s, 30s, 40s and 60s, whatever, um, some of them have succeeded, you know, to, to have really... Um, a nice life. Well, I mean, 
on the pictures, you could see that. And also the existence of the pictures itself, you know, was uh, a question to me because I knew that it was quite dangerous to produce, you know, to, to make those pictures. And um, so everything was, I mean, I was full of questions, you know, so I wanted to, to meet people of those generations and to ask them how it was, you know, and, and to recreate a kind of memory and a kind of history. And also I've realized that because of AIDS, many, many of gay people have died. And so the transmission, you know, of a memory and, you know, this continuity um, through generation was broken, destroyed in a way. And so I had this a kind of obsession to recreate a kind of memory and just to link myself to them. And, um, and for me, Casa Susanna, in a way, it's the same about uh, the queer culture and the history of trans identity. Uh, for me, it's a very important story because you are with anonymous people. And most of the time when we speak about history, we always refer to very famous people. They are the incarnation of time. They are the incarnation of history. And for me, this, this is not right, you know. It's, it's much more interesting when you're talking about history to go through the people and, you know, to, and to tell a story with all this anonymous person. And for me, it's more real. I mean, you're so right. You know, a figure like Christine Jorgensen has uh, a positive use in history in that it's someone that we can point to as a historical marker in time. But I think the way history was written, uh, the way you describe, figures like that can also overshadow the wider history or the, the wider experiences of, uh, of people who did not grab those headlines. Exactly, exactly. It's like, I mean, we're so used, you know, to when a magazine wants to do something about the 60s, about the 40s, whatever, uh, most of the time, they, they try to find the, f the famous people of those times uh, and to tell you how it was, the clothes, uh, how people were living, you know. But for me, this is, it's a kind of fairy tale, you know. It's, it's not the reality of the basic life that people had um, every day. And, and for me, snapshots... And photography is very important into my practice of cinema because there are documentation, but also there are memory and a kind of reincarnation of what people have been through. You know, it's, it's really, it's so alive to me. And uh, so most of the, I, I use a lot of pictures, photography in, in, into my films. I love that, you know, it's a, it's a very important, uh, yeah, incarnation of, of, what I'm trying to say. Kate and Diana, uh, the, the two women who were participated in, uh, in Casa Susana, um, uh, when you met them, uh, what was their feelings about participating uh, in, in a project like this? Kate was already someone who was into the militancy. Uh, she has written uh, an autobiography, autobiography 
um, in Australia because she was living in, in, in Australia. And uh, so for her to build a narrative from her life was something uh, easy, you know. It was, it was something that she, she was into this uh, desire, you know, to make people understand uh, what is to be a, a trans woman. And, um, but for Diana, it was something else because Diana had um, a surgery for, how do you say, a reassignation. A gender reassignment surgery. Uh... Gender reassignment, exactly. So she had this um, very young, actually, when she was around 24, 25 uh, in, um, in Mexico, in Tijuana, exactly. And then after the operation, she became a kind of uh, invisible woman into uh, the American society. You know, she, she went to the West Coast and she lived there as a woman. And for like 60 years, nobody knew her story. And I remember when I talked to her about being into the film, on one hand, I think she was a bit afraid. Um, she, she didn't know if she was able to create a kind of narrative, uh, narrative with, uh, with her life. And she was, if it was possible for her to be natural in front of a camera and, you know, to remember everything, all the details. And, but also, I think it was very challenging to her because, it's, because it was the first time for her that she would say that the person she was, you know. Uh, she was watching herself, you know, in front of the camera. And it was a big deal for her. It was very important because now that she is um, um, at, at the end of her life, you know, she felt the need to reconciliate in a way with her whole story. And, and, and actually she was quite proud of it you know and and so she wanted to to say it loud you know and it was very brave you know to do this I think and that's why she's she's getting very emotional into the film because she never said anything about all this past to anybody for so many years you know the, you know the details of her story I get you know, goosebumps just uh, thinking about it because they're so vivid. Her hitchhiking from Indiana to the Catskills to be part of this community and the... It was crazy. It was, I mean, she, she put herself in so big danger in a way, you know, she, but the, the, the need to do it, uh, to, to meet all these people, I mean, she felt so lonely and she didn't know how to to build her life, you know, as a woman. It, if we go back uh, in those days, you know, the, the, society, the American society was really, really a style, you know, with everything that was out of the norms. And, and so, and especially uh, the cross dresses, that was the term, you know, uh, at that time that they, they use. So, um, and for, um, Diana, it was very important um, to meet this community. It was for her probably a possibility to, to find a way, you know. 
And I think many of those people actually that went to the Casa Susana was in the same situation. Um, there were white people from the middle class. They had Some of them had a kind of good situation and it was really uh, dangerous for them to, to take the risk, you know, to go there and to cross-dress and, and maybe to be discovered by the local police or whatever, you know. And because in those times, you could be arrested uh, uh, for very few things, you know. If you were not um, in... in it's so, I'm so sorry, it's so difficult this to say that in English, but you have a kind of morality and values um, that was so important. And also the society at that time was so focused on the Cold War and communists, but the communists were not the only enemies, you know, gay people were also the target. And so the context was, was really uh, nervous, you know, and, and difficult. So when they met, you know, at the Casa Susana, I think they had all this background, you know, all, all this context, you know, in their mind, probably. Uh, Casa Susana was a kind of a very peaceful place, but still, you know, the, the, the context of the society, you know, was there, you know, and, and so they took many risks. And Diana was one of them, of course. Now I want to bring up another key figure in the film named Gregory. He's the grandson of Maria, who was married to Tito, a.k.a. Susanna. As a boy, Gregory spent summers at Casa Susanna and grew up with a non-judgmental attitude about it. His grandmother, Maria, owned a wig shop in Manhattan. Gregory tells her story. And then one day, she met Tito, this gentleman who came into the shop and was trying on wigs and pretending it was for his sister or his, uh, his niece or something like that. And um, um, she basically outed him and said, oh, come on, I know this is for you. And uh, he was rather shocked, and, but she did it in a loving way. And Tito told me later that he was so impressed by her openness and by her acceptance of him that, um, you know, she was the one and special person in his life. Tito was very affable and energetic. He was a uh, radio commentator for uh, the uh, Latin American station in the United States. He used to come up to the country place for us, and he used to dress as a woman and become Susanna. And we weren't supposed to know that. And. Um, so one day, uh, I was at the porch in the country, and um, Susanna grabbed me and sat down and had a conversation and revealed himself to me. And at the end of the conversation, I said to him, you know, if my grandmother loved you, then you were okay with me. And he was uh, very touched by that. Sebastian explained that he met Gregory through the photo historian Isabel Bonet. Actually, Isabel uh, has found Gregory through uh, the name of Susanna. She has made some... Um, <laughs> there was uh, some possibility in the whole state because there was different people with the same uh, first name and name, you know. And, and so she has made some 
uh, email like this, you know, and one of them has answered and it was Gregory. And he was very surprised, I think, first, you know, that Isabel could find him, you know, and, and knew about the story of Casa Susana. And, um, and then when I went to New York, I met him and uh, we, we told him that we were preparing a film and, and, and it was so important, you know, uh, for us that it could be into the film and that it could tell the whole story. Because the thing is that Isabel has found many uh, important elements, you know, of the story, but not the whole thing, not the whole story. Gregory was actually the only one who knew everything, especially also the end of the Casa Susana because nobody knew exactly what happened, what it has stopped suddenly uh, from one day to another. And, um, and also so many details that Gregory was the only one to know, you know, about the relation between uh, Susanna and Maria. Because Casa Susanna is, is first, you know, this crazy love story about Susanna and Maria. Well, Gregory is such a striking figure in the film. Um, because whatever associations we make about people based on their appearance, when I see Gregory, I think of an Italian-American New Yorker who is probably uh, more traditional and not open to, uh, to transgender lifestyles. And so to hear him be so... Uh, insightful, compassionate, um, uh, is kind of a revelation from the moment that we see him on screen to the, the, the stories we hear him tell in the film. Gregory is an amazing guy. He's really, he has such an open mind, you know, and a big heart, really. And he loved his grandmother. I think Casa Susana was for him um, a kind of lost paradise. Uh, he grew up there during holidays and fall and during some weekends, and he he loved being there with this community. The problem was more with his mother actually, because Maria had a, a daughter from a, a previous marriage, and. Um, And Yolanda, that was the name of, of uh, uh, Maria's daughter, um, was a very conservative woman. And from time to time, she was very hostile to, uh, to, uh, to those people, you know, who was uh, going to the Casa Susana. And also she was protecting probably too much, you know, the, um, her kids, you know, because for her it was very not normal, you know, just to have all these people. She was just afraid. And also probably the context of the of the period, you know, was such a... Um, uh, create a kind of fear, you know, of everything. And um, so Gregory, you know, said to me that, and he said also to into the film that the, Yolanda was really in between, you know, from time to time, she was okay with Susanna, and because Susanna has helped her to to think and and maybe to uh, 
to go into show business because Yolanda has some desire to to become a, a famous singer, you know. And so Susanna was helping her, you know, about that. So during those moments, you know, it was okay. Let's say the relation was okay, but on. But probably y Yolanda was not accepting to see her mother loving Tito Susanna and to, to see them as a, a, a couple, you know. And for her, it was so weird because when Susanna was a woman, then uh, she would see her mother as a lesbian and they were a kind of lesbian couple, you know. And probably for her and for those times, you know, it was just impossible to admit that, you know. It was um, just impossible. The book of photographs came out, and there were people like you who uh, who discovered it and became deeply curious um, uh, about Casa Susana. And, and then, you know, many years go by before you're able to connect with these people who actually knew the story uh, of the place. Um, did, were they aware that there were people like you uh who had developed this curiosity. You said a minute ago that, uh, you know, Gregory was surprised that um, that anyone was interested or knew anything about the history of Casa Susana. Did, did he know about the existence of that book? Hmm. I know Kate has a book. Diana, I'm not sure. Maybe, but I'm not sure. And Gregory, no. No, 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 now I remember. Gregory didn't know about the book and he was quite upset actually because he think that the picture that you can see into the book and, and those pictures were found on the flea market on the 25th Street in New York, um, were stolen actually from um, Susanna's uh, apartment or they were a part of, of uh, Susanna's um, how do you say, um, uh, property, you know, I mean, it, yeah. And, um, so he, he was kind of quite upset that, you know, that to realize that a book was made, you know, just like this, but on the other hand, he understood that it was also important to reveal, you know, that story that people could, could know, you know, everything that happened there, you know, and what her, his grandmother did, you know, for everybody and what Susanna uh, was and, and everything. So, but it's true that he, he didn't know and I think Diana didn't know herself too. So, but that clears up a mystery about the book and the original source material. In, in, in Gregory's view, those were photographs that had been uh, in once the property of Susanna and, and somehow got out into the world. Exactly. Um, he didn't know exactly how. Um, he think that uh, from a certain time, um, the, the belongings of Susanna went into a storage. And, and the storage was, um, uh, how do you say, a... Uh, some people uh, stole. Uh, uh, Sto uh, they stole other storage, or sometimes those storage lockers. If you stop paying rent, they exactly they give away. I think they, they this is exactly off. what happened. Yeah, and so he, he think that uh, 
this is how it happened, you know, and then it, it, it went to a flea market. But, you know, the, 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 the funny thing for me is it's because of those photographs that we know something about Casa Susana, because this story normally, normally would have been invisible, totally lost into a kind of big secret. Um, and this film shouldn't have been done, you know, normally. Uh, this story was supposed to be completely, um, yeah, secret. So, fortunately, uh, it's because of, of these pictures that now we know everything. That was the start. Can you talk about the experience of going up to the actual property and gathering these uh, these four um, four people who were witness to that history uh, on the property? Well, for me, the, the experience of going to the Casa Susana and, and also to invite uh, um, the, the witnesses of the film to go there was very important because it was a way for me to create a kind of emotional um, environment. Um, because when I film people talking in front of the camera, it's not an interview in, in, in a you know, in, in, the, in a classic way. It's more a, a moment of life, you know, because you are there, you feel, you feel the past, you know, and, and it creates, you know, a, a kind of, of atmosphere that put them into a kind of very uh, emotional state, which is very important uh, during the conversation that I can have with, with them, you know. So going there was all for me, uh, essential, you know, to the film. And also to have a reincarnation of the passage of time, you know, which is something also very important to me, that what the rooms, you know, of the property and, and are very moving to me. There are the traces, it's a kind of archaeology. When you do a film like this, like photographs, everything is are traces of time and through the through the trees and the wind and 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 the houses and everything is speaking to you. I think this is this is how I feel. And and I think it that the way also Diana Kate and Gregory and Betsy felt the same. I want to ask you about your work with the editor, Tina Baz, who I see that you've worked with on other films before. The, you know, the, the structure of this film is so delicate because it, it doesn't have, uh, um, you know, it, it doesn't have like a strong continuity uh, to it. The, you know, what's known about Casa Susana is very thin and, you know, it's almost like you've hung this uh, like a clothesline, and then you put these different stories on that clothesline, the story of Kate, the story of Diana, the story of Donald Walheim and his daughter Betsy, uh, the story of Gregory and what he knows. Um, uh, but can you talk about, you know, how you and Tina worked out the, the structure of the film? Actually, the structure of the film was quite difficult to, to build because you have different lives uh, into the film um, and you have a kind of intersection which is Casa Susana in itself where everybody is meeting you know but you have a life before 
that of each. And you have also uh, the life after Casa Susana for each of them too. So the thing was to create a kind of narrative that was very fluid, very, um, because I'm obsessed with this, you know, just to create a kind of, um, in French we say épure, which means something very, like you said, a kind of line, you know, like an obvious line, and um, which is probably the hardest things to do, you know, when you do a documentary. And um, so we had, you know, to have a kind of opening with the presentation of each of them, but without the feeling of a kind of presentation. And then because the idea was to create a kind of trip, a separate trip, where everybody is going to the Casa Susana, and during the trip, uh, you can uh, start with the past and, and when they were the, the past before the story of Casa Susana, Casa Susana itself. And then when they arrived and they meet each other, you have also these emotional moments, you know, when they see each other because some of them didn't see for like years, you know, like Betsy and Kate, for example, or Diana and Kate for so many years. And... So, which was a very moving moment, you know. And, and then you have the life after the Casa Susana. And, um, and so with Tina, it took us like six months six or seven months, you know, to, to create the narrative into the film. And you have also all the, um, the archives that are very important, the photographs, um, all the all the films, uh, the Super 8 film that Gregory has found, it was a miracle, you know, because first we had no Super 8. I've heard this story that when Casa Susana was sold, um, the new owner of the place, Susana didn't take off, took off all the photographs and films and, and everything. Everything was left into, into the house. And thus the new owner took everything to the garbage. Because I spoke with her, his daughter, you know, and she, and she told me this. So for me, that was really, really painful. And, <laughs> uh, and um, I mean, it's a destruction of a so important memory, you know. So, and not only for the place in itself, but also for the history of, you know, about the queer culture. You have so very few documents, you know, about cross-dressers, uh, transgender people. It's, they are so rare, you know, so. So there had been the destruction of, uh, of films and photographs a long time ago, but Gregory managed to find some things along the way? Yes, in his garage, actually. <laughs> I, I remember that I sent him many emails saying to him, please go back into your garage and, and, and look everywhere if you could find something. And I remember that one day he sent me uh, an email saying, I found something, you know, and he took some pictures, you know, of, and it was full of Super 8. <gasps> but we didn't know what was inside, you know, and so... And... And so we were lucky enough to have all these very precious, you know, uh, Super 8 films where you can see Susanna and Maria together. And they were so uh, 
beautiful films. You've made lots of films about uh, different aspects of, of queer history and, um, and queer lives. Um, what made this one unique? I did a portrait film in France of Bambi. Bambi, not the character of Walt Disney, but Bambi is one of uh, the first uh, transgender women in France, and she had a, an amazing life. And I remember that when I was doing this film, uh, Bambi was so full of joy, and her life is so just amazing. It's really like a fairy tale. And, um, and I remember when I was doing Casa Susanna, I could feel that the context of all those lives were so much more violent, I would say. that, uh, uh, And so I could feel that how difficult it was for these people uh, during the 50s and 60s and how American society was violent in those times. And so uh, against... Um, and how difficult it, it, it was for them, you know, to, to assume who they were and to, and to be free, you know. It was really a fight, a big fight. And uh, so I, I feel so much respect, you know. And, and for me, the film is a kind of tribute to them, you know, because they were pioneers. And, and I don't know, I, I feel, yeah, I love them, really. Thanks, Sebastian Lifshitz, for speaking with me. His film, Casu Susana, is streaming on PBS Passport. I hope you'll subscribe to Pure Nonfiction's email newsletters. We have Producer's Notebook on the business of documentary and Editor's Notebook on storytelling. You can subscribe for free at purenonfiction.net. Thanks to our team. Series producer, Hannah Nordenswan. Marketing manager, Bella Racklin. Our intern, Sahai John, and web designer, Cross Strategy. Our theme music is composed by Andre Williams, and our executive producer is Rafaela Nehausen. I'm Tom Powers. Follow us on Instagram at Pure Nonfiction. <laughs>